for the reading of God's holy word. God is good. Ah, you don't believe it with all your heart. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Let us pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you now to receive the food of your divine word. Take your truth, Lord, and plant them deep into our hearts, that in the hearing and sharing of your word, we may respond to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the story is told that at Christmas time, a judge was in a very jolly good mood when he asked the defendant in a trial, what are you charged with? I was doing my Christmas shopping early. That's not an offense, the judge replied. No way, it's not an offense. How early were you doing your Christmas shopping? He replied, it was before the shops were open. <laughs> but why, the judge said, he respond was because I couldn't wait. Waiting can be tough. If only I have waited. If only I had waited. We've all said that in regret at some point in our lives. Good things, they say, come to those who? And they that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, they shall renew their strength. Waiting is profitable. Yet, it can be difficult. But the world has moved on from the days of the Old Testament kind of waiting. Waiting is much easier now. If you can't wait for the shops to be open, you can shop online. And when you shop online, you will know approximately the expected date of your delivery. And while you wait for your item to come to you, you can go on the phone and you can track your item. You can see the delivery van coming where they are until it gets to you. You order a taxi. While you're waiting for the taxi, if you're into technology, you can track it on your phone. It shows you where the taxi is until it gets to you. Well, this was very different from the people Isaiah was speaking to in the Old Testament. They had no tracking device. They could not track how long it will be before the expected Messiah will come. All they had to do was to rest their faith, rest their trust in the promises of God and hope that the prophecy of the coming Messiah will come to pass. During Advent as a church here at Methodist Central Hall, Westminster, we are waiting. We are waiting in expectation and in anticipation for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And since we too cannot track the event of his second coming, because the Bible says, no man know the hour, no man knows the time, no one knows the manner in which he will come. And so because of that, Paul, sorry, prophet Isaiah and Mark invites us in both of our readings today to prepare at all times to be patient, to be, to wait in hope for the coming of the king. In the days of the knights and kings and nobles and paramount chiefs, for those of us who've come from the villages, before a royal visited a part of their kingdom, a messenger or a town crier uh, will go ahead uh, and cry uh, and inform the people to make way, to prepare themselves, uh, to tidy up, before the royal comes in, a 
few months ago as Westminster prepared for the crowning of King Charles III. Riding on my bicycle, as I usually do around here, I realized that there were fresh tarmacs, road markings all around Westminster in preparation for the king to come to Westminster Abbey. Friends, once in Royal David City over 2,000 years ago, our King Jesus was born. Jesus, the Son of the living God, the gift of all gifts, the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the greatest physician, the Prince of Peace is by far the most deserving of a messenger or a town crier like Isaiah and John the Baptist, but also you and me to prepare the way for him, to prepare the heart of his people, to herald the message of comfort and hope to all people. In our Old Testament reading, we hear God's ancient words to his people spoken through God's prophet Isaiah in and around the 6th century. After 70 years of pain and discomfort in exile, due to their own disobedience, due to their own rejection of God, Isaiah came with very good news of hope for the people who were in a very bad situation to prepare them for a new life of freedom, for a new life of redemption. Hear his words to them. He said, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her. Tell her that our time for the hard service has been completed. She's done it. In that prophecy, Isaiah could see the end of a painful era has come to an end. And he announced to them the dawn of better days. Friends, for what 2023 has been, we could do with some prophetic words of comfort. As some of us are feeling the squeeze, as though we have been exiled from our own comfort zone, wandering in the wilderness of uncertainty. With the global impact, we all know what is going on in the war in Ukraine and in the Middle East. The high cost of utility, food inflation, and the effect of the unending strikes from working class people who are calling for fairer pay, who are calling for labor justice, just to provide for the basic, to be able to pay the rent, to be able to pay the mortgage, to be able to put food on the table, just to survive. Perhaps in these difficult times, God's word to us, his people, in a vulnerable world right now is, take heart, my brother. Take heart, my sister. Better days are on the horizon. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. However, God's word of comforts from both readings comes marinated, packaged in uh, some words of challenge, a call to action, calling on us Advent people to prepare the way for Christ's return. And you may ask the question, but Lansford, how do we prepare ourselves uh, and others for the coming of Christ? Uh, what should we do? Tell us. To start with, John gave us a clue in that reading that Genevieve read for us in Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Look at what John said to his wilderness congregation. John preached to them about the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
And so at the top of the checklist of things to do as part of our preparation for Advent is to repent. The first one is to repent. It is to come home. All ye who are weary, come home. The hymn writer William Thompson said, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling on us as Advent people to come home. To repent is to make a U-turn, is to turn away from the darkness and to turn to the light. Some of us, we are scared of the, to face the light for fear it will expose us. But look at what Christ is. Christ is that light. John the Baptist pointed the people in the wilderness to Jesus Christ as the light. He has not come to judge us. He has not come to condemn us. He has not come to take the meek out of us. But he's come to accept us the way we are, to love us unconditionally. And now he invites us that we might be his light in this world. He said, let your light so shine that men and women may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what he said. He wants us now to be his light in this world. And so on this second Sunday of Advent, as we draw close to Jesus the light, let us cast out, uh, cast out uh, of our lives anything that radiates as darkness and make ourselves worthy of celebrating the anniversary of the Lord's coming into the world uh, as the incarnate God of love. To make way for the waymaker is to prepare our hearts, to transform our hearts into a fitting stable for the Redeemer to be born again. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago, might right now be part of a war zone. But that is a new Bethlehem, where Jesus can be born again. And that is in the Bethlehem of your heart, in the Bethlehem of my heart. Will you prepare a crib for him in there? Secondly, to make way for Jesus, the waymaker, is to deal with the clutter in our lives. Our lives can be compared to our homes. If we are to invite guests to come to our homes, we would tidy up. Imagine now and again when I invite people to come, I'm on my knees, cleaning the floor, getting all the cobwebs out, just so that you will give your guests a good reception. Advent is that time for us as Christians to enter into a deep clean, to confront the clutters in our lives, to get rid of all that is holding us back from being close and intimate with God. And so if on this second Sunday in Advent, you are holding some resentment towards someone who's treated you badly, you are holding back forgiveness. Advent is a time to get rid of the clutter of resentment, the clutter of unforgiveness. It is the time to practice mercy and forgiveness. In his well-known teaching on the prayer known as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said to us, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mercy and forgiveness are a two-way straight. If we desire God's forgiveness... We must forgive those who've offended us. And what better time to ask God for strength to declutter our lives than on this second Sunday in Advent. Thirdly and finally, to make way for Jesus, the waymaker, 
think I've left something back there, but that's fine. I'll explain it. It's to engage in prayer. Praying always without giving up hope. If you've tried everything and everything has failed, try praying. This season of Advent should be a time in which we intensify our prayer lives to finding the time, the place, and the desire to enter into serious dialogue with God and, and to communicate with him. We ought to have that don't disturb sign. I don't know if you know that sign. You've seen it. I've got one in my office that I've left. You know, when I'm busy in there, I'll put it out there. It says, don't disturb. For those of us who work here, you will see it now and again hanging outside the Canale's office or my office saying, don't disturb. We ought to have that don't disturb sign on our door so that we can give quality time of prayer to God. The other day, someone came to see me in my office there and the sign don't disturb was on the door. He waited and waited and waited. And when he eventually came in, out of curiosity, he asked me, you are a minister, you are a reverend. What were you doing with don't disturb sign on your door? That gets me thinking, what do people do when they have don't disturb sign on their door? My response to him was, I was having a little talk with God in prayer. Friends, of the 101 things, of the many, many things that you have on your to-do list on this Advent, one of them, make it prayer. Put prayer on that list. The demand for our attention is in this highly commercialized world is very high. The phone is calling for attention. The TV wants us. The advert wants us. The deals on the windows, the programs, the parties, they're all shouting out our names, calling us for our attention. So we need to be intentional about prayer, to set time apart, to have that don't disturb sign on, and to have a little talk with God this Advent. In the words of the psalmist as I close, as the day yearns for running water, so our souls, the souls of Advent people, should reach out for God in prayer. Because it is through prayer that we might experience true forgiveness. Through prayer, we might draw strength to declutter our lives. Through prayer, we might become true Advent people who will make way for Jesus, who is the waymaker to be born again in the royal David city of our hearts. Amen. We stand to sing our final.